Well, if you all will open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 43, I wanted us to spend a little time with Joseph, uh, a famous man of the Old Testament. As you're turning there, let me kind of uh, set up where we are, because we're not starting at the beginning of Joseph's life, but rather we're entering into a point in the story of Joseph. Uh, Back in chapter 37, Joseph uh, is brought into the forefront and uh, his brothers are introduced. And it's there where we find that his brothers jump him, beat him, throw him in a pit, and then sell him into slavery because they're jealous of Joseph. Uh, A little bit later on, we find Joseph uh, in Potiphar's home uh, being sold into slavery down in Egypt. And... um, Through God's grace, he is elevated to a position of authority there. And then he is falsely accused by Potiphar's wife and uh, accused of uh, uh, raping her and um, or attempting to and is thrown into jail uh, where he spends several years. Then again, by God's grace, Joseph uh, comes before Pharaoh himself, interprets a dream and is put in position of number two of all of Egypt and given the responsibility to prepare all of Egypt for the famine that God has um, uh, foretold that will come. At this point, um, the famine also is where Joseph's brothers are. And so they come to buy food from Egypt and uh, Joseph discovers his brothers before him and um, allows them to have food but puts one of the brothers in jail The brothers return home and share their story with their father and um, communicate to their father that this man, who's Joseph, that they don't recognize, has said, if you return, you must bring your younger brother Benjamin with with you, otherwise I won't sell you any more food. Well, the famine has continued. The brothers and uh, uh, their families are all out of food, and their father says, go back again, and they remind him, we must bring Benjamin. And that's where we pick up. In Genesis chapter 43, the brothers are returning again to Joseph for a second time. You all follow along as I read the Word of God, uh, starting in verse 15. And we'll read to the end of this chapter, I believe. Yes. So the men took the gifts and doubled the amount of silver, and Benjamin also. They hurried down to Egypt and presented themselves to Joseph. When Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the steward of his house, Take these men to my house, slaughter an animal, and prepare dinner. They are to eat with me at noon. The man did as Joseph told him and took the men to Joseph's house. Now the men were frightened when they were taken to his house. They thought, we were brought here because of the silver that was put back into our sacks the first time. He wants to attack us and overpower us and seize us as slaves and take our donkeys. So they went up to Joseph's steward and spoke to him at the entrance to the house. Please, sir, they said, we came down here the first time to buy food. But at the place where we stopped for the night, we opened our sacks and each of us found his silver, the exact weight in the mouth of his sack. So we have brought it back with us. We have also brought additional silver with us to buy food. We don't know who put our silver in our sacks. It's all right, he said. Don't be afraid. Your God, the God of your father, has given you treasure in your sacks. I received your silver. Then he brought Simeon out to them. 
The steward took the men into Joseph's house, gave them water to wash their feet, and provided fodder for their donkeys. They prepared their gifts for Joseph's arrival at noon because they had heard that they were to eat there. When Joseph came home, they presented to him the gifts they had brought into the house, and they bowed down before him to the ground. He asked them how they were, and then he said, How is your aged father you told me about? Is he still living? They replied, Your servant, our father, is still alive and well. And they bowed low to pay him honor. As he looked about and saw his brother Benjamin, his own mother's son, he asked, Is this your youngest brother, the one you told me about? And he said, God be gracious to you, my son. Deeply moved at the sight of his brother, Joseph hurried out and looked for a place to weep. He went into his private room and wept there. After he had washed his face, he came out and, controlling himself, said, Serve the food. They served him by himself, the brothers by themselves, and the Egyptians who ate with him by themselves, because Egyptians could not eat with Hebrews, for that is detestable to Egyptians. The men had been seated before him in the order of their ages from the firstborn to the youngest, and they looked at each other in astonishment. When portions were served to them from Joseph's table, Benjamin's portion was five times as much as anyone else's. So they feasted and drank freely with him. Well, we've just read the Word of God, and now spend a few moments with me, and let's consider it. Let's think about it, and let's see how it speaks to us. Let me start by telling you all a story of myself. Some of you may know, some of you may not know, that um, prior to me being the single adult minister here at Grace of Anne, uh, my, my family and I attended here at Grace, but I was a counselor at a ministry here in town called Second Chance. It was a drug and alcohol treatment ministry for uh, adolescents and their families. Well, one young man that I had the opportunity to counsel with and work with over the course of a year um, came to us when he was 19 years old. Now, he came to us because this man, uh, this teenager, um, had developed a lifestyle where he followed, was a groupie of a, a band called Fish. Um, some of you may have heard that. I hope you haven't. And I hope your children don't listen to Fish, but that's a whole other story. Um, but this, this, this man basically traveled around the country. Um, he had dreadlocks, big old long dreadlocks and a large beard that he grew because that was sort of the thing that you did when you followed around the band Fish. Um, and to support his travels, he trafficked in drugs. Um, he came to us because he got caught in a federal sting operation and um, had approximately 500 hits of LSD on him, and I think it was around 600 hits of ecstasy that he was moving. And um, just as you see on TV, he described it as he thought everything was fine, and next thing he knows, cars are coming out of left and right, and he's got his face in the ground with a revolver at his head, and they're screaming at him, don't move, don't do anything. And uh, So that's how this gentleman came to us. He was facing uh, approximately 20 years in a federal prison, um, because of the amounts and types of drugs that he was dealing with. Well, as I told you all that story, um, I suspect none of you uh, wouldn't have had a thought that, my, what a sinner. That's immediately how I think of him. Goodness gracious, this guy, not only is he not providing anything to society, but what a sinner. And yet it's interesting, um, I can't speak for you all, but I can speak for myself. I have a tendency not to see myself that way, not to identify myself as, hmm, I'm a great sinner. What a sinner I am. A man like that 
who's got dreadlocks down to his waist and a beard down to here and is a groupie following a druggy band and trafficking in drugs. Well, he's a sinner, you know, um, goodness gracious, but I don't see myself that way. And yet the reality is, is that grace is always given and can never be earned. And yet I believe we all, again, I can't speak for you, but I can speak for myself, I have a tendency to begin to buy into a lie that I can earn that grace that that based upon my behaviors I'm really doing pretty good and you know I never say it this way but when I get honest with myself God's pretty lucky to have me in his kingdom think about it you can probably relate to that we tend to have a mentality that we can earn the grace that God gives when in the fact is it can only be received it is a gift that comes from God and all we can do is receive it. We can't earn it. Let me, let me illustrate how I'm as great a sinner as the man I just told you about. This, this gentleman was, uh, actually he ended up um, working for the ministry for almost a year. And um, by God's grace, did not have to serve time in a federal prison. Was put on five years probation. Um, but prior to him graduating the program and, and, and working as a, as a peer counselor and giving back to other teenagers, um, this, this is the type of guy that as you were working with him in the group, he always liked to push the edge and get as just as close as he could to being disrespectful without actually crossing any lines. Um, he kind of liked that. Um, well, I found myself on numerous occasions, not just once, on numerous occasions reminding him of his situation that brought him to us and calling to his attention the desperate situation he was in. Now, that's a good thing to do in your counseling situation. It's good to confront people with things. But my motive at the time, and I'm sad to say on several occasions, was not for his benefit. It was not to help him and to counsel him. It was to demean him. It was to put him down because he was just getting a little too cocky and I didn't like it. And he was really making me look bad in front of everybody else. Now, who's the greater sinner? Him or I. Our behaviors are different. But look at the attitude. Look at the cruelty. Look at the meanness. I'm no different than him. I wasn't trafficking in drugs, but I was just as cruel. I'm just as great a sinner. I have just as great a need for grace as he does, and I'm in the same boat he is. I cannot earn it. No matter what I do, I cannot earn God's grace because it is a gift that is given. Well, I believe in this story of Joseph, we have a picture of grace. And it is grace being received, not earned, but received. And what I'd like to do is draw your attention to really three things that, that we see about grace and about it being received. Because God is a God who lavishes His grace upon us. So receive it. Don't earn it. Receive it. Let me point out to you the first thing that I want, I want to show you in this story of, of Joseph. We ought to receive God's grace... Because it calms our fears and produces freedom. Now let me direct your attention here to the story here. Let me show you what you see going on. If you look back in, um, in verse 18, 
we're given a description of the brothers as they are on their way to Joseph's house. Look here and we read, Now the men were frightened when they were taken to his house. If you recall the story of Joseph, the first time the brothers come before Joseph, he questions them and really kind of grills them quite, quite intensely. But I believe even at that point, Joseph's motive at that point is to restore them and to see where they're at. If he wanted to gain revenge, Joseph had the power to say, throw them in jail. Actually, throw them in jail, chop their heads off. No, actually, throw them in jail, pull their toenails out, and then chop their heads off. He had complete power and freedom to do whatever he wanted to, but he doesn't do that. He gives them food. He sends their food back. He even sends their silver back with them. Um, and and he, he requests that they bring their, their brother back. Well, they've returned again with their brother, but they're frightened. They're frightened as they take him to their house. And notice what they even say, or what they think. Again, in verse 18, they thought... We were brought here because of the silver that was put back into our sacks the first time. He wants to attack us and overpower us and seize us as slaves and take our donkeys. Now think about that for a moment. Joseph, number two in control of all Egypt. If he really wanted to attack them and make them their slaves, don't you think he would have already done it? Why take them to his house? And donkeys? I mean, come on. Do you really think Joseph wants their donkeys? I almost think it's almost humorous in the scriptures. They're all worried about, he's going to make us slaves and take our donkeys. Joseph probably doesn't need their donkeys. Joseph has control of all of Egypt. He has plenty of donkeys. He probably has plenty of chariots and carts and horses and who knows what, what else. But you can, see, you, you can see their attitude. They're frightened. They're fearful. They're afraid. They're, they're bound up with all this fear because they're terrified of the repercussions that may come down to them. Well, then if you'll notice, Joseph lavishes grace upon them over and over and over again. Look, if you will, uh, in verse 23. Notice what Joseph's steward does for the brothers. They're so frightened, they're so worked up that they approach the steward prior to getting to the house. And they try and explain their setting and make things right and, and, and you know, talk about the silver. And look at what the steward says. Look in verse 23. It's all right, he said. Don't. Be afraid. Your God, the God of your father, has given you treasure in your sacks. I received your silver. The steward reassures the brothers not to be afraid. What a gracious thing to do. What a, a kind and gracious and loving thing to do to reassure these fearful men. Another way that grace is lavished upon them is they're reunited with Simeon, their brother. Look again at uh, the very end of verse 23. Then he, the steward, brought Simeon out to them. He reunites the family, a gracious act. Um, certainly an indication that Joseph doesn't intend harm for them. Uh, look what happens then in verse 24. The steward took them in into Joseph's house, gave them water to wash their feet, and provided fodder for their donkeys. Again, an act of grace. He provided for their needs. He gave them water to wash, fed their precious donkeys. They were so fearful of having taken away from them. Again, an act of grace that is done from Joseph to the brothers. Um, he's lavishing them with grace. He reassures them. He reunites them. He provides for them. But it didn't even stop there. Joseph now enters back into the scene. And look what he does. Uh, 
Look in verse 26. When Joseph came home, they presented to him the gifts they had brought into the house, and they bowed down before him to the ground. He asked them how they were. And then he said, How is your aged father you told me about? Is he still living? Joseph remembers them. He inquires of how they are. He lavishes grace upon them by remembering them. Think about the number of people that comes before Joseph. Um, the number of people he interacts with. And here he is asking the same men who had jumped him, thrown him in a pit, and sold him into slavery, how are you? He shows concern for them. He's remembering them and questions about their aged father. And then, if you'll notice, jump down with me to verse 34. He honors them. Well, actually, let's look in uh, verse 32. Um, they served him by himself, the brothers by themselves, and the Egyptians who ate with him by themselves, because Egyptians could not eat with Hebrews, for that is detestable to Egyptians. The men had been seated before him in the order of their ages, from the firstborn to the youngest, and they looked at each other in astonishment. When portions were served to them from Joseph's table, Benjamin's portion was five times as much as anyone else's. He honors them. He eats with them. He has them in his home. Um, he serves them from his own table. And he even gives Benjamin five times the portion that he gives everybody else, even a, a higher place of honor. So I think you see a picture of Joseph lavishing grace upon his brothers. The brothers who approximately 20 years earlier jumped him, threw him in a pit, sold him into slavery, um, and had never made any request for forgiveness or tried to uh, restore this. Or anything, and he lavishes grace upon them time and time again. Now, notice the response that we see in the brothers. Look in the very last line of verse 34. So they feasted and drank freely with him. Well, what's that a picture of? Is that a picture of someone who is terrified, who is frightened, who is afraid? Or is that a picture of someone who has freedom? They feasted and drank freely with him. Look at the, at the effects of the grace that has been lavished upon these brothers. They have a sense of freedom. They have a sense of ability to feast and drink freely with Joseph. They started out fearful and afraid, and the grace that Joseph lavishes upon them calms their fears and produces freedom in them. Let me tell you a story about myself again. Um, I'm 17, and um, my father and I don't see eye to eye on everything. I know you're probably surprised by that, but it's true. Um, and through some situations and some things that had occurred, I had wronged and offended my father. And I hope somebody can relate in here, but I felt a real fear and oppression, and it was guilt is what it was. I didn't like being around my dad. You know, I certainly didn't want to look him in his eyes. Um, I hated it when our paths crossed because I'd wronged him. I'd offended him. Um, and finally, um, definitely by God's grace and his strength, I meekly, you know, with terrible eye contact, oh, yeah, I'm real sorry about that, you know. Um, and my dad was so gracious. You know what he did? It's okay, son. And he never, he never lorded it over me. He never, to this day, he's never brought it back up again. Um, he forgave me. My father lavished grace upon me. And you know what occurred to me? All of a sudden, 
I again had a freedom to be in his presence, to look him in the eye. I didn't dread our paths crossing. That's what grace does. Grace calms our fears and it produces freedom. Now what do we do with that? What do you do with that tonight? What do you do with that tomorrow? What do you do with that the next day? If you're trying to earn grace, you're not going to experience the calming of fear and the freedom. But when you receive grace, when you receive the gift that God gives us, not because we deserve it, not because we can earn it, but simply because He is a gracious, loving God that lavishes it upon us, our fears are calmed. We don't, we don't stand before our Maker thinking that He's scowling at us, pointing a finger, scolding us, shaking His finger at us, disappointed with us. Rather, we have a freedom, as it says in Hebrews, to boldly go before His throne of grace. We begin to understand that I am a child of God. He has adopted me into His family and all that that entails. When we receive the grace that God lavishes upon us, rather than trying to earn it, it calms our fears and it produces freedom. A second thing that I'd like to point out to you all tonight about grace and about receiving grace is that when we receive grace, we ought to go and offer it likewise. I believe the reason that Joseph is able to lavish grace upon his brothers is because he understood that he had received grace. All throughout the story of Joseph, you see him, regardless of the circumstances, giving credit to his maker and trusting in his God and relying upon his, uh, his God to see him through and to take him through. And I think that's an indication that Joseph understood that he received grace, that he couldn't earn it. And he offered it likewise. Look at how he treated his brothers. The brothers hadn't come back apologizing so, so um, intensely for all the wrong they'd done. No. The brothers don't even recognize Joseph. For 20 years they've been covering up their crime. And what does Joseph do? Offers grace in the same manner that it's been offered to him. Well, I believe that's one of the things that ought to be true for us. When we stop trying to earn grace, when we realize that we receive grace, it is a gift that comes from our Father, I believe we're much better prepared to offer it likewise. Instead of demanding that people earn grace from us, we offer it as a gift in hopes that they receive it. Now think about this for a moment. This is costly. It costs Joseph tremendously to lavish grace upon his brothers. He gave up the right to seek vengeance. I can't speak for Joseph. The scripture doesn't say. But if I, if I place myself in that same spot, I know in my own self, in my own sin, in my own fallen body, my tendency would be, oh, 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 let's have a little fun with the brothers. I've got the power now. Let's see what we can do. That would be, I, that would be the first thought that would pop into my head. And it's only by God's grace that I would be able to offer grace likewise. The odds are there are people who have offended you. The odds are there are people who have hurt you. And if they haven't, live, and it will occur. That's, that's one of the realities of life is hurt and pain and disappointment. 
are you able to offer grace in the same manner that it has been lavished upon you? Do you forgive only? I'm only going to forgive when they come apologizing. Is, is your grace contingent upon whether or not they earn it? And if so, maybe that's a con- an indication that you're trying to earn grace from your Heavenly Father. Years ago, uh, I had the opportunity to work at a summer camp. And uh, it was called Kids Across America. And it was an inner city camp. Um, it was quite an experience in my life. Um, I was dealing with uh, teenagers from all over the United States from inner cities. And uh, um, it was a good experience. But one of the things that we had at the camp certainly was a um, system of uh, 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 rules to follow and consequences if you didn't. Well, I remember one time there was, uh, I can't recall this, this man's name, but he was a, he, he was a godly man, and he was, he was there counseling. And um, he had been having trouble all week with his locker. We called them lockers instead of cabins because these kids didn't know what a cabin was, but they sure knew what a locker was. They had them at school, so we called them lockers. He was having trouble all week long with his locker. This was just an unruly group of guys. And, um, you know, after a while... You know, yeah, well, I've got so many consequences. What's the big deal? I'd rather have fun, you know, breaking the rules. Well, he used a different tactic. He, of course, told them their consequences. Then he said, now, y'all sit down, and I'm going to do them. And he must have ran 40 or 50 laps around a basketball court or something. And these young boys from the inner city watched him take their punishment on himself. On, on himself. And he, he ran their consequence. It was powerful to watch how these boys were impacted that way. To me, that was a gracious act. It was a demonstration of what, of what our Savior does for us. They certainly didn't earn anybody doing that for them, yet it was lavished upon them nonetheless. This man understood the grace that had been given to him, and he was able to offer it likewise to others. Uh, in Matthew 18, our Lord, when his disciples came to him and they talk about forgiven seven times, responds, no, no, 77 times. Mull that one over in your head for a little while. Consider the Word of God there. That's a hard teaching. The Lord's Prayer. Father, forgive me of my trespasses as I forgive those who trespass against me. That is a tough, tough prayer. That is a scary prayer. Father, forgive me in the same manner that I forgive those people around me. I know I demand that they earn my forgiveness and grace, but, um, oh, heaven forbid that we would ever actually pray that. But think about how many times that's exactly how we treat people. You've got to earn the grace from me. No, we receive grace. God has lavished his grace upon us, and let us offer it likewise. Now, let me, let me make a comment on this. Um, what I'm not indicating is let's take, for instance, you had a business partner and he embezzled money from you. I believe because grace has been lavished upon you, you should offer it likewise. But that doesn't mean you ought to stay in business with this guy. Okay? Um, Take maybe an individual who has abused a child. We need to offer them grace. But that doesn't mean we need to let them babysit our children. Okay? Just because I don't let I don't go into business with a man doesn't mean I'm not offering them grace. I wanted to qualify that. Okay. One last thing I want to uh, point out here that I believe um, occurs when we receive grace is that we're able to worship. 
our worship is inspired when we understand that we receive grace, not earn it. Go back to this last line that describes the brothers. After they have been lavished with grace by Joseph, go back again to this picture. So they feasted and drank freely with him. Let me take some liberties there and maybe expand that picture. Imagine this nice house that Joseph is living in. And there's the Egyptians that are at his table and he's at a table and here's his brothers. Can't you see them eating to their, to their fill? Remember, there's a famine in the land and they feast. I'm sure their spirits would be raised by that. They probably hadn't eaten a meal this good in quite some time. They, they're drinking freely with him. I picture them having conversations, Joseph asking them questions about where they live and their childhood and them sharing and maybe even, maybe even laughing a little bit about some of the things that happens between brothers. Um, can't you just picture that? And I'm sure, because the, you see it in the scriptures, they brought gifts to Joseph and they, they honored him. I'm sure they're very grateful in thanking him and, and commenting on his wisdom and his, and his stature. This reminds me of the picture that our Jesus paints. The kingdom of God is like a wedding feast. To me, when we receive grace, when we stop trying to earn the grace that God gives us freely, it's at that point that we can worship. It's at that point that we can celebrate. It's at that point, as we sing the songs that Jim leads us in on a Sunday morning, that they have meaning, that they make sense, that we go oh my goodness, I don't deserve any of this, and yet he gives it to me time and time and time again. He gives me a, a feast in the middle of a famine. He invites me into his home. Uh, he gives me food for my precious donkeys that I'm so terrified might be taken away. He gives me water to wash my feet. He reassures me in my fears. The grace we receive is the motivation for our worship. And if we try and earn that grace, our worship suffers. We can't worship, except ourselves. If you're earning grace, then the only thing you worship is yourself, because you're the one doing it. When you receive grace, when you understand that we are sinners, yes, the man facing 20 years in federal prison for drug trafficking is a great sinner. Jonathan Todd is a great sinner. I'm as great a sinner as that man. Actually, probably greater because I'm a better con. I hide my sin better. His is out in the open. So who's the greater sinner? Who is, who is better able to earn? Neither of us. We can't earn grace. We must receive it. In the same way we, receive, we see these brothers receiving grace from Joseph. So my challenge to you, receive grace. Don't earn it. Let it calm your fears and let it produce freedom in you. Understand that by God's grace, you're a child of the king. You're his son or his daughter and you can boldly Go before the throne. Receive grace and dish it out likewise. Stop making other people earn grace and lavish it upon those around you even when they 
haven't earned it. Receive grace and go and worship. Because it is, it is the motivation, it is the, it is the inspiration for our worship. He deserves to be told how great he is because look at what he's done. He has made a way when there was no way. He has granted a path when there was no path. And he has lavished us with grace when we don't deserve any of it. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I do acknowledge that you are worth all of our honor, all of our glory, all of our attention. Father, we are sinners. Your great commandment to love you with all our heart, all our soul, and all our mind. Father, I couldn't even suspect that there were ten seconds of my life that I've been able to do that. And yet you lavish me with grace time and time again. You woke me up today. You gave me breath. You have, you have bestowed me um, with life and life abundantly. Even though circumstances don't go my way sometimes, Father, I always have something to be grateful for because of the grace that you lavish upon us. Father, I pray that through your Holy Spirit, your word will not go out void tonight. I pray your Holy Spirit will help us to understand the free gift of grace that you provide. Help us to see the ways where we buy into the lies of Satan and try and earn what cannot be earned, your grace. And Father, may we be a people here at Grace of Ann that are not afraid but rather are free before you. Let us be a people here at Grace of Ann that understand the grace that you have lavished upon us and let us scream it likewise. Let this be a place where people enter and they're almost dumbfounded by the way we embrace and love and lavish grace upon people. And Father, I pray that our worship will be motivated out of the grace that you have placed upon us. May it be our inspiration, Father, And may you be pleased with our offering of worship every day and even especially on Sunday as we gather corporately. Father, I thank you for Jesus Christ. I thank you for the work he did and for the grace he provides. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Thank you, and I hope you have a blessed Wednesday evening.